You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hi, I'm Ralph Powell, co founder and CEO of Real Vision. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Vision podcast. At Real Vision, we pride ourselves on providing the best in-depth expert analysis available to help you understand the complex world of finance, business, and the global economy. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll accept my invitation to try Real Vision Plus for 30 days for just $1. Visit realvisionpodcast.com today and join us as we navigate the financial world together. Cheers. Welcome to The Knock-On Effect. I'm Justine Underhill. Yes, I'm Alex Rosenberg. Hi. And this week we have a very special episode because... <laughs> it's not a very... Very special episode is when like, you know, one of the characters gets pregnant or something. Oh, okay. This is not This is not a holiday episode. You know, you know what I mean? Like that old definition of very special episode in my... No. Off ba- Nick, am I off base here? Or? No, you're pretty on target. Yeah. Okay, it's this like is... a very special episode is like something terrible happened at school or okay. not very special. It's a different episode it's and different. we'll leave it at that. Yeah, um, basically what we're doing this week, we uh, a few weeks ago we had a podcast about workplace surveillance, surveillance and that got into trucking and this whole mandate with electronic logging devices. And just give us give us like a the 15 second summary of what we talked about. Sure. So basically what's been going on is that there's been a new mandate put in place. Um, it was put into effect in December of 2017. It really started getting enforced in the um, spring of this year. And basically uh, what it was is mandating that truckers drove no more than 11 hours a day and worked for no more than 14 hours a day. And this was a device that was put into the engine of the truck. Um, and so it, it automatically, electronically logged their hours. And that was a big change from what was going on before because everything was done by pen and paper. Um, and so basically you logged your own hours and you could kind of fudge the numbers a little bit. Um, but on top of everything that was going on with now suddenly having this electronic logging, we're also seeing a trucker shortage in general because guess what? There's so many um, people buying things from Amazon and online shopping has surged. And so we now have so many more things being delivered um, or transported by truck. And so between the shortage and then this huge drop-off basically in, in hours that a lot of these truckers could work because they were suddenly being monitored and now they have to stick to the mm-hmm. letter of the law for um, what's mandated, um, it's become a little bit more difficult and for, for shippers to get things sent. Um, and that has meant that a lot of truck truck wages have been we'll see right now we're on the cusp of it uh truck wages have been have been rising yeah we just we just saw a story about uh jb hunt uh, increasing their their wages by by 10 percent. yeah and and so then uh, basically as the story continues we did this podcast and we had a listener reach out we had because in the podcast i must say i think it was a really interesting conversation You, you you taught me a lot about the whole trucking industry but throughout you know we were kind of making light of the whole situation. I was perhaps joking about uh, uh, the coffee truckers perhaps drink, and and I and I felt, felt a little bad. I think I feel like you I maybe made— You revealed your ignorance on the subject. I certainly did. And we said, I said, to, to my credit, 
You know nothing about it. <laughs> I know nothing about it. And if you are listening to this in a truck, please write to us and, and set us straight. And we actually had a few truckers write to us. Yeah, so so, so basically what happened was this um, gentleman named Will Pletcher, who runs a trucking company, emailed into us and, and set us straight on a couple things. And we decided we, we'd share it, uh, share the wisdom, as it were, with you all. So we uh, are about to sit down for, for an interview with him uh, over, he, he's based, I think, in Chicago. Chicago. So Will runs this firm called Mike and Cartage, um, which is basically a container drayage firm out of Chicago. Yes. And uh, if you don't know what that means, don't worry. You're going to learn so much, so much about the trucking industry, I'm sure. Yes. In this conversation. So enjoy. Will, thank you so much for reaching out to us. Um, could you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the trucking business in the first place? Uh, well, realistically, 25 years ago, I more or less uh, needed a job. I actually used to manage restaurants, and uh, that was actually becoming quite tiring on me. So I decided I needed a, a career path change, and a, a position opened up in a, uh, a local uh, drayage firm in Chicago. Uh, drayages, we haul uh, containers, uh, mostly um, international uh, import-export uh, goods. And I took the job and, you know, learned as much as I could and uh, essentially uh, worked my way up in that company and, uh, you know, worked my way through a couple different companies and, you know, more or less partnered with the organization I'm with now, which is Mike and Cartage. And, you know, we are an uh, acid-based uh, drayage firm out of the Chicago area. Um, you know, we got about, uh, um, you know, countrywide, we have about uh, 85 trucks, um, terminal in uh, Chicago, Columbus, Ohio, and Jacksonville, Florida. And, and, you know, it's just something that I ended up being good at and something that I uh, provide a good living for myself and my family for. So, well, so you, you say uh, acid-based. Now, of course, I know what this means as, as an avid trucking fan, but, but for those of our listeners who maybe don't, uh, what's an asset-based firm? Uh, an asset-based company is a company that actually owns trucks. So we own trucks, we own property. So um, for an asset-light company, there'd be just a uh, uh, essentially a company that brokers freight between shippers and um, truck drivers themselves, and they use uh, owner-operators. We are a mix of uh, company drivers, the assets that we own, where we employ drivers who work for us, and then uh, owner-operators who own their own rigs. And we contract freight out to them as well. So then could you talk a little bit about how this ELD, electronic logging device mandate, is affecting your business um, or uh, truckers that you know? Uh-huh. Well, absolutely. You know, this is, I mean, this is something that's been a big deal to me for quite a long time. And it's not just the, the, uh, the ELD aspect, but it's, it's just the, the safety aspect and the expectation in the industry as a whole that the trucking company being the uh, the lowest uh, run on the totem pole has been expected to bear a large burden when it comes to ensuring that uh, you know we uh, abide by regulations and abide by safety standards abide by uh, living standards quality of life standards for drivers and of course um, meet our customer demands at the price points that they they expect so 
you know, me being an advocate, not only for, um, for my business, but for truck drivers in the industry as a whole, you know, I've, I've taken a very personal, um, you know, uh, attitude about all of this. But a lot of these regulations, at least in terms of the amount of hours that truckers can drive, those were already in place before. So now the big change is the monitoring of it. That's, that's exactly what, that's exactly the point. And that's what I was about to get to is ELDs, the ELD mandate is, is, you know, the law is not new. Okay. All the ELDs did, they, they didn't create a trucker shortage. All they did was uh, expose a trucker shortage. Mm. I mean, that's the whole, the, the big question to ask is why is there a shock in the system? Why? I mean, why are large shippers all of a sudden not being able to get the goods that, you know, that they, sh- that they buy or that they ship? Why are they not being able to get, uh, you know, capacity on command like they were prior to, you know, uh, December of last year? Mm-hmm. And you ask yourself that question, okay, the, the hours of service regulations have, have been in, you know, in effect since the mid-90s. They haven't really changed. They changed a little. They changed back. But realistically, a, a driver's allowed to drive 11 hours a day. He's allowed, you know, on-duty work without driving three hours. And then the other 10 hours he needs to take, take off. Mm. So that formula hasn't changed. It's the enforcement that's changed. So... I mean, if you want to ask the industry as a whole, what's the problem? The problem is that everybody has gotten over on drivers running their rigs illegally. Wow. Mm. So then how do you see this affecting the system overall right now? Do you see this pushing up wages as in maybe because this has exposed such a shortage um, now shippers are going to have to increase the price that they're paying drivers. What do you see as the immediate knock-on the, effect right here? Well, the immediate knock-on effect is it, it all depends on the priority you put on shipping your goods and you know your business model. But specifically, uh, the market clearing wage is going up. It's 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 it's, it's rising dramatically. So you know, for us as a trucking company, for us to be able to um, uh, retain and to attract capacity, we're going to have to offer, you know, higher compensation and better benefits to our drivers and to our owner operators that we're not going to bear the cost for because, you know, over the last several, you know, years, at least since the great financial crisis, you know, we have been bearing the cost of shipping in general. So it's now, you know, we have uh, a better margin and we of course, uh, should enjoy, part of the market clearing wage itself. So the knock-on effect is shippers going to have to pay for capacity. They're going to have to make long-term uh, commitments to their trucking partners to ensure that they retain that capacity and that their the companies that they're um, you know partnering with can retain their drivers. Um, this, of course, has an inflationary aspect to it as you know, companies who need to pay more for capacity are going to, in turn, pass those costs back to uh, either consumers or the other, you know, entities and business partners they have. So, so well, if I understand your point, the you're paying your uh, truckers more, but what you're seeing happen is that you're actually able to charge more for the service. So, so your profits aren't getting squeezed. If anything, it might might be a better environment for companies like yours. It's absolutely a better environment. Um, you know. It, 
we actually implemented the ELDs um, two years before the mandate went into effect. Oh, um, wow. We did that for a couple of reasons. You know, a big one is because we knew that strategically there was going to be a huge learning curve here and that the industry is going to suffer as a whole. We wanted to, first off, not suffer. We wanted our business to be able to curtail to uh, this new uh, curveball. Also, we wanted to be able to take advantage of the fact that a lot of our competitors were going to wait to the last minute, and then they were going to be going through this learning curve, and we would be able to reap the benefits of already having this implemented and having a you know a seamless uh, transition to this. Um, you know, realistically, I was able to foresee that not only trucking companies and shippers were going to have a real problem with this, but so is the uh, the DOT because you figure you know. All of this, you know, the uh, roadside scales you guys pass when you're on the highway taking your road trips and, you know, all, all the uh, police officers you see pulling trucks over on the highway. You know, every one of those officers had to be trained on how to, you know, read these devices and be able to audit a, you know, a roadside inspection. So it's a, in terms of the changes that um, you're seeing, do you think we've already seen the the full effect of um basically the sh trucker shortage? Do you think there's still more to come? And when do you see shippers um, fully taking on the burden of paying for um, what they're shipping? Realistically, I think a lot of shippers are holding their cards close to their chest. They read a lot of economic data. They, they see the, uh, the effects of the, um, the biggest effect is the trade war, of course. Um, so I think this, these past, Several months were, were really bad, and you know, we as a company, we increased our our wages, you know, upwards of fifteen percent to the owner operators, and of course, pass those along to the to the customers. Lately, things have felt a little bit softer, so I think that, uh, and I can feel that the the shippers are becoming a little more price sensitive again, which means that capacity starting to open up. You know, talking to some of these larger importers I deal with, they tell me that, you know, a lot of this is attributed to the uh, to the tariffs and people, you know, with their distribution and their manufacturing in China saying, hey, listen, hold off for now. We need to see where this is going to go. So over the last six weeks, things have been a little soft, but it kind of, you know, forecasting is telling me it's going to get strong again. In terms, I mean, in terms of the labor shortages right now in the trucking industry, do you see more people entering the space right now as wages increase. Do you see that easing up in some ways? Or is it still hard to attract people into trucking? I mean, there, as I was doing research on this topic, it's a tough lifestyle um, where you're on the road for many, many hours a day. Uh, so do you see that changing potentially where, where more and more people are, are coming into this industry or do you still see it as something that people especially younger generations are, are resisting uh it there's a lot of resistance to the the trucker lifestyle like you guys mentioned in the original podcast you know it used to be an attractive way to make a living it, it used to be you know um, being a truck driver was something that kids aspired to be but that's you know just the way that uh you know our our Society has changed, you know, things like that not only became less attractive because we we're forcing, you know, more of a mindset of education versus trade. So that's kind of, you know, pushed, you know, natural Americans out of the industry themselves. And we predominantly rely on uh, immigrant labor. So 
and since the great financial crisis, a lot of those people left. They they left the industry. You know, construction lost a lot of people as well. Um, and a lot of them left the country. They sold their rigs. They couldn't afford just to stay here anymore, so they just picked up and left. Um, to to get to answering your question, no, I don't. I don't foresee that there's anything that's really attractive. Um, the work is not easy. It's it's demanding. It keeps you away from your family. It's pretty much all of you do. Yes, the wages have spiked, but there hasn't been any industry wide support or you know outside of the trucking community for attracting drivers. Um, there's there's no type of trade schools like there are for electricians and plumbers. Um, there are truck driving schools, but since the great financial crisis, you know, post 2008, 2009, all those pretty much went away because there was no need for capacity. So that whole business model went away. So, um, you know, you forwarded me that uh, Bloomberg article that, uh, you know, J.B. Hunt is, you know, and other big trucking companies are trying to partner with truck driving schools. But the barrier to entry is pretty hard. I mean, you would think that driving a truck is a pretty good way to earn a living for an uneducated person because you just need to know how to drive. But with the demands that the DOT, you know, uh, especially post 9-11, with all the background checks and, you know, all the insurance requirements, it's it's pretty demanding to be able to get into the business. Um, you know, we as a company, we can't base so that we can procure, you know, affordable insurance. We can't hire anybody who has less than two years experience on U.S. roads. Hmm. They had to have been driving a truck for two years before you can even hire them? Yes, before we can uh, hire them, they have to been two years in the U.S. Wow. So, so then, so, so if you wanted to hire, you know, let's say you had a driver leave tomorrow and you wanted to hire another driver, like, where, where would you find that person, and and what do you think they would look like in terms of, you know, would they be on the older side, the younger side, you know, j- just kind of curious where where your next employee is coming from. Yeah, well, the, 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 again, that's another problem. The whole demographic is aging. You know, uh, most of our drivers are, you know, 40 plus years old and some of them are, you know, 65, 70. And uh, so, I mean, like, like I said in the intro, you know, I'm, I'm running containers, which containers, there's two facets to the trucking industry. There's, you know, over the road domestic freight, which are, you know, your big 53 foot trailers that you see hauling down the road. And then what I do is containerized freight, which is, you know, import export based. And usually, the flow of uh, of labor happens. the The younger guys who are more ambitious, they will, you know, get their CDLs, and then then they'll want to get in the truck. And they're they're willing to stay in the truck for you know three to four weeks, six weeks at a turn. They don't have families, they don't have commitments. They're all about you know trying to uh, you know earn a living. And then as the aging, as they start to age, they get families, they get more commitments, you know, they develop some health problems, whatever, they get tired. Then they start to, uh, you know, want to stay home more often and, and they transition to uh, trying to get a job, you know, in the container industry. And specifically it's because uh, container shipments are predominantly round trip shipments, empty out, load back, load out, empty back, and they're usually day trips, Um you know, we do have some longer haulers that to stay out, you know, for a week at a time. But so, um, so, so I have to ask. So, so an empty truck is driven back to, to where it started. That seems a little, little wasteful. No, you're right. It's very inefficient, and you know that's something that the industry has been struggling with for a long time. But it's, you know, just 
segue real quick to, uh, you know, autonomous vehicles. Um, autonomous vehicles are going to work, you know, within the next couple decades for, you know, for domestic, you know, van transportation that I mentioned. It's <laughs> we could do a whole program on containerization. You guys are just I blow your mind with how inefficient, how ridiculous, how just there's so many moving pieces and, and, and none of them come together. So, yes, essentially just about every one of our trips is either an empty out to pick up an export shipment to bring a load back to Chicago or we deliver an import shipment in a loaded container and we bring the empty bag. Do you see autonomous driving or autonomous vehicles actually adding more efficiency to the system? And how would that change your business specifically? Is that something that you're already thinking about and trying to incorporate? Right now, I'm not, because for me to be able to incorporate an autonomous vehicle in what I'm doing specifically, I would have to need the railroad to be retrofitted for automation, the chassis providers to be able to ensure that the chassis that we utilize, which a, a chassis is the uh, part of the uh, vehicle that's on the ground with the with the wheels and the dolly legs in a container can attach and, uh, and come off of that. That's how they lift them off and put them on the boats. But the, the chassis is how you roll them on the road. Um, the, the customers would have to be, you know, available to receive a uh, autonomous vehicle. So that means their parking lots would have to be clear and, you know, there'd be the, an insurance that there wouldn't be any type of uh, interference with a vehicle pulling off the road. So in in my business, the benefit when autonomous vehicles do actually make it into industry is the fact that it's going to free up labor. It's going to free up drivers who are currently hauling, you know, over the road shipments from California to New York um, for, you know, your Walmarts and, and, and your Costco's and, you know, in your Amazons, you know, Amazon's going to be the first. You know, they're, they're, they're already, the, you know, part of the, not to get on a tangent, but part of the shortage is due to something that I call the Amazon effect. It's, you know, Amazon decided we are going to meet our customers' demands no matter how much it costs us. Shareholders support that, obviously. And they sucked a huge amount of capacity out of, uh, you know, out of my business and, you know, out of the market in general because they'll pay They'll pay the market clearing wage no matter what it is. You know? I mean, if Amazon's going to pay, you know, the higher price no matter what, um, do you see this basically eating into their business or do you see them potentially passing this on to customers? And, and, and even just in terms of other shippers as well. So Amazon's kind of the big gorilla. Um, but do you see that potentially um, as being an effect where consumers are ending up paying for shipping themselves? Or do you see this as something that probably um, companies are just going to end up eating? I think at first companies are going to eat it. Um, you know, you have the Amazon, Walmart, you know, uh, dynamic where neither one of them want to blink as far as raising prices to their company, uh, to their customers. But uh, both of them are pretty much willing to do whatever it takes to retain market share. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, business to business type of company. I'm raising my prices, you know, I have, um, you know, have to, my, have to dial those back again if things start to slow down, but I'm not really sure, you know, what my customers are doing as far as, you know, passing prices along. So 
I think at first, if, if this is sustained, if, if, if the driver shortage is sustained and realistically the labor market remains as tight as it is and nobody does anything to try to uh, train new drivers or attract capacity into our industry, then yes, essentially consumers are, will be paying higher prices. There's, there's no just supply-demand dynamics. They can't. It's got to pass on. So. You, you know, we, we had a riddle that you hinted you had an answer to, which is, I, I, I can't remember what percentage of goods, Justine, are, are got, get from one place to another in a truck. Yeah, it was it was like 70 to 80 percent of U.S. goods are, are transported by trucking. But then we were curious as to what the other, right. you know, 20 percent, how did they get <laughs> to where they needed to go? Yeah, I remember that question then. Um, well, there's something called, you know, rail cars that Alex, you were actually making fun of in the, the last podcast. Um, the railroad actually does, you know, companies actually, big grain shippers, for instance, you know, if you drive by a grain silo, you'll see there's actually rail tracks that run right up under to the grain silo and they will park cars in those silos and they'll just dump grain into them. Um, coal mines are the same way. So they'll have big, uh, you know, uh, coal hoppers that'll, you know, go to the mines and uh, they'll, you know, use some sort of um, system to uh, just load the bulk coal into the into the hoppers. Um, there's, you know, large box cars where uh, huge uh, shippers who produce, uh, you know, large manufactured goods. The the box car will be parked. They'll have a, a rail spur right up uh. next to their building, and a box car will park right up there, and they'll just unload the. They'll open the the dock door from the side, and they'll just you know walk the freight right into the the, the rail car. That's so. pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. And now, but before we let you go, we're gonna we're gonna have some fun and do something something I'd like to call truck true or false. And I'm sure James will add some fun music <laughs> here. All right. Thank you, James. Um, so so I'm, I'm I'm gonna start. So so we're gonna give you the following conception about trucks, and you're gonna tell us if it's true or false, and, and maybe explain why. All right. Uh, truckers love country music. <laughs> False. <laughs> okay. Um, truckers enjoy when you pull down your hand to ask them to pull their horn. <laughs> no, they think you're a moron. Really? I thought they liked that. <laughs> no, no. I, I, the older truckers do, but I mean, <laughs> the dynamic is changing rapidly. So, you know, uh, Maybe more nowadays because they're being paid more, so they're happier to be in the rigs. But you know, over the last several years, I'm gonna say hey, no. All right, all right. I like to, so look for look for a uh, happy or an, or an older trucker before you try the trick. Okay. Well, yeah, do that, and if he does, you know, pulling his horn, then you know he's he's enjoying his job. Right. Um, uh, next question: True or false? Truckers are overwhelmingly male. Uh, yes, that's absolutely true. I mean. We have one female driver with us. Uh, actually, we used to have two, but uh, the other one left. All right. Uh, true or false? Uh, coffee at truck stops is really good. Uh, I'm going to have to say oh, false. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The coffee at truck stops is terrible. Um, but I'm a coffee snob. Um, yeah. Well, well you're, you're in good company here. Uh, okay. True or false? And I think I might know the answer to this one. Truckers use slang like, you know, 10-4, good buddy, over and out uh, when they talk to fellow truckers. <laughs> um, they used to. You guys really, you, you pulled these stereotypes <laughs> right out of the city. <laughs> <huh? laughs> oh, no. Um, 10-4, uh, yes, all the time. That's standard 
trucker talk. That's, that's great. <laughs> you guys should actually Google the uh, the list of the. Uh, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's there's a list of ten. Yes. Ten twenty means uh, what's your location? And there's a whole list of them. But ten four, yes. Uh, Roger over and out. Good buddy. <laughs> I think good buddy actually has a different connotation. Yeah, I think that might have Oh, okay. Good to stay up to date on that. All right, final, true or false. It's dangerous to drive next to a truck. Uh, I would say true um, simply because you really can't guess when a tire is going to blow. Even if the driver himself has done an inspection, um, you really never know. It is a piece of machinery, and it does have wear and tear. Uh, tires spend a lot of time on the road, and they do. You guys see those what they call alligators sitting in the middle of the road sometimes. That is actually the tread of the the tire has peeled oh, off, wow. and uh, they can be quite dangerous. So yes, I would uh, advise all of your listeners who are listening uh-huh. when they're driving next to a truck, stay behind the truck until it's safe to pass and then get past it. Don't stay next to a truck for any longer than you have to. Great. Well, that's, I think, great advice to end on. Yeah, well, I, I was I was hoping you would say, you know, my, when I was zooming next to a truck and I felt nervous, I, I shouldn't, but uh, okay. <laughs> if I were you, Alex, I would smoke you in the bandit and just roll right <laughs> under that thing. <laughs> you know my references now. And, and, and by the way, alligator, that's that's a good that's a good piece of terminology. I didn't know. Yeah. You ever hear that one? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. now, now when you guys are on the highway, you'll be looking for this stuff. Yeah, I like it. All right. Well, Will, thank you so much. That was my pleasure. Uh, make sure you tell uh, Rao and Grant I said hi. Oh, yeah, we'll yeah, do. Yeah, we will. Hey, the, maybe we'll get over there some other Yeah, th- th- thanks so much for joining us. It, it's, uh, you know, we were sort of in the dark about trucking, and, and you brought us a bit into the light. So I so really appreciate that. Okay. So you want me to uh, 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 refine this trade in uh, 30 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> Can you break down this trade in 30 seconds? Very good. <laughs> Very good. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Take care. My pleasure. It was great spending time with great. you guys. Thanks, Lava. See you. Bye-bye. All right. See you later. Bye. Well, I, for one, am excited about the changes to the trucking industry because higher pay means that when kids do that, you know the thing I'm talking about, right? Where you kind of like make a fist and then pull Have down. Have you ever your, done that? Through your arm? Of course. No. It's so fun. And then because the truck horn's like, it's a huge, big noise. It's really exciting. You know, kids love trucks. They use it, they sell those videos for kids, like, you know, truck, uh, Truck, big trucks, right? Am I? Yeah. yeah. I will say I was looking into getting like a truck horn or something like that for my bicycle. Just scare, that's really funny. Just to scare people off. That's really a funny. Bit. So you're like driving along, and all of a sudden it's just like the biggest horn sound. Because the, the, you the on a bell, bicycle. the bell just doesn't do it. I need to scare people. Well, the bell is like, oh hi. Yeah. You know. No. Uh, so, okay, so we might see more truck horn noises. So it would be, that, that it would be, be funny if you pulled down your effect. hand, and like this, like big trucker with a big mustache jammed the thing down. It was just like ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, quite the dissonance. Um, I am. <laughs> Excited for the fact that... Quite the dissonance indeed. Yes. I mean, I thought it was particularly interesting that a lot of my knock-on effects that I predicted are coming true. It's true because yeah. you predicted higher wages before the biggest trucking company increased their wages. So Yeah. See, who would have guessed? <laughs> mm-hmm. But I guess all points were leading in that direction. But it is also important that uh, he noted that a lot of the shippers um, and companies are going to be the ones picking up the slack for the wages um, and any increased shipping costs. It's not going to be the companies transporting goods that are going to have to take on the higher wages. Right. Those are getting definitely getting passed onto 
the Amazons of the world. And that could potentially get passed on to consumers. But, you know, there's going to be a lag before that happens. Anyway, lots of good stuff learned, and I feel a little bit more confident with my uh, yeah. predictive abilities. Yeah, and I, I feel confident that I know nothing about trucks. Do you, I, I was, and, sorry, I know this is from the same part of the interview, but the, I really, I thought it was okay to just, you know, because don't you get nervous when you're driving next to a truck? But I thought it was like being nervous of airplanes or, you know. Oh, that is, it's, no, nah, I think anything. Being afraid of the dark. I thought it was like an irrational. Anything with uh, driving, I think, is always more risky than, than we imagine. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that note. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week with a uh, uh, full non-special knock-on effect episode. Okay. See you guys next week. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.